Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Grizz Nation to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues podcast channel alongside GBB Live and the 3 d Podcasts. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is co-host Brandon Abraham, GBB Senior Staff Writer. Brandon, what's up? Just living the dream, Parker. How are, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Just this whole quarantine, working from home, kind of getting old, but, you know, it's just another day. And uh, we also got a special guest, former Memphis Grizzlies swingman, Quincy Pondexter. Quincy, how's it going? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Doing pretty good. What are you up to these days? You know, the Oh man. Uh just quarantining like everyone else, uh working out nonstop and you know, watching a lot of NBA TV. So um it's it's been really good days, really relaxing days. Uh it's been kind of refreshing actually. Yeah, I feel that. And where where are you now? Uh Fresno, California. It's my hometown. Uh, I have my home here. Um I, I love it here. Uh even though I wish I was in Memphis a little bit longer. I feel that. That's great to hear. I'm glad you're doing well. And so we got Quincy on the show with us because we, you know, with core team, we're just kind of reminiscing on the good old days, you know, G and G Memphis Grizzlies. I just kind of wrapped up our revisionist Grizzly series where we kind of went through all the biggest events and moves and what ifs in Grizzlies history. And basically rewrote history and defined what would have happened if things would have gone a different way. And so yeah. while this nostalgia has taken over a better way than to chop it up with the former player. Sure. Um, those Grizzly days are amazing. Um, I, I really miss them. Um, you know, we had a really great thing going on. Um, and, you know, I, w- I wish the everything could have stuck together a little longer. Yeah, I feel you on that, Quincy. Um, one of the things that the Grizzlies revisionist history has been doing is kind of looking back and they're playing some of the games from the, uh, you know, 2012-2013 season where the team made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And uh, one thing I've always been kind of curious about, uh, when did it kind of hit you, you know, in the team that, you know, y'all had a chance to, you know, make Grizzlies history, make it to the Western Conference Finals, was it something you kind of felt early on after overcoming an 0-2 start against the Clippers, or did it not really sink in until, you know, you sealed the deal against the Thunder? No, we we knew we were good. Um, we had some really good starts um, over, over the year, and um, the only distraction we might have had was a little bit that we had with, you know, trading away Rudy Gay. And, um, you know, dear, really dear friend of mine, really close friend of mine, um, but it was it was kind of an elephant in the room, and I think once once that happened, um, you know we really we had a locked in crew. We had a really 
tight tight knit group and um we kind of just ran with the thing and uh i i remember i got hurt a little bit that year um i missed some games and you know but once i came back and you know we made that run for the playoffs towards the end of the season um during the during that run we just um everything just clicked and you know even to this day i tell people like you know i know every single player on that team's game inside and out and you know, we just knew each other's game. We knew our strengths. We knew our weaknesses. And um, that was, you know, we were, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, we were, um, you know, one round away from going to the NBA championship and who knows what could have happened then. And, you know, we lost a, a, a better team in the San Antonio Spurs that year, which is, um, you know, hit their one Ray Allen shot away from winning the championship. So uh, I think that was the greatest year in, in Grizzlies history. Yeah, and in that Western Conference run, the big bright spot in that series was your performance. You averaged 15 points a game off the bench. It honestly didn't look like you were missing at all. You hit 48% of your three-pointers. So in that, how did you balance acknowledging your individual success but also the team's performance? You know, I'm – my whole career, my whole life, I've been all about winning. And so, you know, I really embraced coming off the bench. And um, at the time, it was understood that, you know, my role was, you know, hit shots and be the shooter for us and play quality defense to spare T.A. when he wasn't in the game. And, um, it, you know, I just embraced that. I was the younger – I was one of the youngest guys on the team. And, you know, I, I fit into that, and I wanted to be a, a grizz for life. But – and um, Lionel Hollins at the time told me, you know, just stick out this year and you're going to be our starting three moving forward, um, you know, past Tayshawn. So, you know, even if you could tell in, as the playoffs went on, Tayshawn wasn't really playing that many minutes. And um, it was me and Tony Allen a lot in the backcourt. And, you know, I, as the wings, I led us in minutes. And so, you know, I just knew moving forward that summer that I was going to be a starting three. So I just, you know, I just embraced my, my moment at that time and, you know, uh, had fun with it, and um, we we did. Unfortunately, we didn't win um, against the Spurs, and then uh, a lot changed after that. Yeah, yeah, a lot did kind of change after that. A uh, surprising, you know, way everything kind of fell out with Lionel Hollins and all of that. But uh, kind of moving now to the present time, uh, Quincy, have you been kind of following up, you know, with the Grizzlies? Do you still kind of follow the organization and the team? Oh, of course, of course. Um, you know, I, I 100% support Robert Pera. He's um, um, a huge fan of his. Um, you know, he's he's a great owner, and you know, I always want the Grizzlies to have success. So, you know, having John Moran and um, JJ and all those guys, I, I, man, those guys are really, really talented, and it's going to be a fun team to watch in the future. Okay, because that leads into my next question. Uh, kind of in your opinion, what is kind of like the long-term makeup of the Grizzlies? Like, you think you know. John, Jaren, you think they can take the Grizzlies, you know, back to where you were, you know, you know, just a handful of years ago at the Western Conference Finals? You know, you think they need a, you know, a couple more pieces? Or kind of what are your thoughts on the long-term makeup of the team? I think you just got to grow through the process. I, I think people get impatient really, really easy now. I think they have to, you know, they'll you'll figure out what pieces to, to add and subtract as you go. But as long as you keep your core together, keep your guys together, um, good things are happening. This isn't like AAU where you just, you know, toss a whole new team out every six months or six weeks or whatever it is. Um, I'm more of a fan of, you know, seeing um, Jaron and, and Ja 
you know, be the pillars of the team and, you know, lead the other guys and, and mold together and build a bond over years that lasts uh, a lifetime. And then that's what we have with the RG&G group. And um, we're, we're friends and family for life. But um, that came over over years of, of forming that and, and tr- building that trust and that bond. And, you know, once you get that, then, you know, the sky's the limit. And uh, I think they really have an opportunity to, you know, with those two guys and hopefully they get some players down the road that, um, you know, they're going to be the team of the future. Absolutely. And that's actually something that whole tight knit family like bond is something I've really monitored a lot with this next, they refer to themselves as next gen Grizzlies team. And mm-hmm. it's so crazy. Cause like, it's almost very reminiscent of like a, a college team or AAU team. I mean, they're so young, but also just yeah. the the synergy between all of them. I mean, they always cut it up on social media and they've even done that throughout this whole yeah. 14 phase. And then their on-court chemistry, you can kind of see that they genuinely like playing with each other. And then this was my yeah. first full season actually covering the team, being behind the scenes and seeing all the locker room stuff. And I mean, even when things don't go their way, I mean, obviously they had a little bit of a rough patch to start the season. They didn't have their heads down at all, and they weren't moping or anything. They still had a very vibrant energy in the locker room, and they were just really for each other and just looking to get better. Uh, I think, you know, that that comes with character and the people that they have, you know, running the organization. And I think once you have high-quality character guys, um, in that locker, you know, no matter what, good, bad things, when dealing with adversity or dealing with wins, um, you know, you're going to still have the same outcome. You're going to have guys that work hard and um, not causing too much trouble. And, you know, they, they all have the same common goal of being uh, a great basketball organization. And so, um, you know, I was I was really, really surprised to see how well they played this year. And um, Coach Jenkins, everyone's doing a really amazing job. And, um, they they got the next generation of G and G, but it's just a little different because the social media and, and uh, they don't have to do it the ugly way that we did it. But you know they they got their new new brand of you know grit that they're playing with. Yeah, for sure. And you know John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. They get all the the hype and all that from like national media and local media. But who are some guys besides young guys besides Jaron and Jaw who've caught your eye so far? Um, oh, definitely the the kids from the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, you, you got the kid from Gonzaga and the kid from Oregon. They're they're out. They come out there and they they go out there and just hoop. They go out there and they play um, as hard as they can. They 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 kind of uh, Brandon is is very athletic. He's kind of really really surprised me. Um, you know, he's, he's done some things this, this first, uh, little bit in the league that, um, really caught my eye. Um, you know, and it's, it's really, really special to see him like come into form this early in the league. Um, and you know, they, they have great pieces and, um, they're going to keep continue to get better at the time. I don't even think they thought they were going to be this good this early. But, you know, Jaw is such a dynamic player, um, and the rest of the guys kind of carried that, that with them. But they, they also have great le- leaders this year. Um, we, we can talk about the young guys, but the leaders have done a, a great job where Solomon Hill came in and, you know, from what I heard, uh, you know, was a real influential person in the locker room um, and, and leading the guys. And, um, 
it's, it's good to see things like that and get stories like that that um, I love to, to keep up with. Yeah, Quincy, you're kind of talking about a little bit earlier how you and Rudy Gay were super close. You know, it was kind of like the elephant in the room type deal when he was traded. Uh, who were some of your other favorite, you know, Grizzlies teammates, you know, for your years with the organization? Man, they're all my brothers. Uh, Mike Conley's a really close friend of mine still. Um, you know, we had a had a bond where we went to dinner so many times together. Um, it was it was amazing. At home and away, we were always together. Um, you know, Zach Randolph, of course, is a big brother. Um, Tony Allen came and spoke at my camp this last year, which is um, amazing. And, you know, we got to be – we all are proud of what Mark was able to do and win a championship this last year. So um, that G&G thing is for real. It's, it's forever. Um, we all have a bond that will always be with each other. And uh, I look forward to seeing those guys down the road. You know, hopefully we have an anniversary um, sometime of, of celebrating that. Uh, West Conference Finals team. Awesome, awesome. Sure. Now, what about any uh, coaches you had uh, as well? Uh, you know, I know kind of like head coaches. I guess you just had a uh, Lionel and then Dave. But were there any kind of assistants? You know, that you were really close with that stood out to you uh, and kind of helped Lloyd, you grow as a player. Lloyd Pierce was, uh, you know, one of my workout guys, and he was um, um, very, very hands-on with me uh, early in my career. He really helped me. Henry Bibby was another one um, who was uh, great in being a mentor to me and talking to me all the time and talking me through my early years of my career um, when I was with Memphis. And um, I really appreciate those guys. And, and my guy, Adam, um, who's, who's um, assistant coach at Vanderbilt now, he's, he did an amazing job as well. Um, I didn't have a really a relationship with Dave at all, um, besides the little daring contest that I had with him, but um, that was it. Oh yeah, we we all remember that one. That was that was a fun one. That was a fun oh, one. The contest that it was pretty. It was hilarious. It, people don't even know this. St- I haven't got a chance to speak on that story actually. Um, it was hilarious. Like I'm the most non-confrontational. I'm. I just want to win. I want to play. And there was a lot of things that transpired months in into that thing that that led to that. And uh, it was no word. I never said a word to him, which was funny. Um, and you know, people might have said, "Oh, he cussed or whatever." I never said one word to him. It was just uh, I stared at I I stared at him because I I didn't really play in the first half, and then we're down twenty. He puts me in the second half, and. I uh, hit the first basket, and I'm coming down because Joe Johnson was killing us, and I'm coming down on defense. I'm by our bench, and I look at him, and he, I'm trying to see, like, what cover should we play Joe because he's been killing us. And I'm trying to get help and trying to talk and trying to communicate, and he, the guy won't look at me. And uh, that that led to me hitting another shot and another shot and another shot, and then he just would never make eye contact with me. And you pay attention to it. I don't think I came out like the rest of the game. And so if there was really an issue of me saying anything or doing anything, I think any coach in their right mind would have probably cussed me out or took me out. But I don't know. I think he, there was a lot of things that transpired in the months prior to that, that, you know, he, uh, he felt it. So it, it was, it was pretty hilarious to me. Yeah. I remember that because I was, I think I was like in high school at the time and I was at the game with my dad and he was like, are you noticing this right here between like after like literally every shot you made, just looking over, <laughs> right over to coach Yeager. <laughs> it, was something, it was fun to, to monitor throughout the game. It was really cool. And so, 
You mentioned that. It was fun. it was funny the next game where like the entire crowd was chanting my name and it was just like awkward because I I couldn't they didn't let me play, um and so I had to just like sit there and just be like oh, okay and like pretend like I didn't hear the chants and it it was it was really funny but I'm I'm glad that's over with. There was a lot with Dave that that happened that year so. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, and then you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you know Lionel he was saying that you were going to be the next starting small forward, and then yeah. after that you transition and you have Jaeger who is you form this like wishy washy relationship with. So just what was that transition uh, like from having a coach in your corner and then having one where it's just this constant battle? And what were some of the differences like strategically between how Hollins utilized you and how Jaeger utilized you? Uh, so we, we hired, I mean, we hired Dave and, you know, I hadn't had a relationship with him. He was Tony's guy and he was Tayshawn's guy and uh, I didn't have a relationship with him. So that wasn't my assistant coach that worked with me and I don't think I was in his favor. And so um, even though everyone else saying start Q, he was the one I, from what I heard was the one that was like, no, let's keep starting lineup the same throughout that West conference year. And, um, we'll change it during the summer. So that's why Lionel agreed to do that. And that summer, um, I'm, I'm sitting in my working out and he calls me and says, we signed Mike Miller. Um, but you know, we're going to probably get rid of Tayshawn. Mike Miller's going to play the four and you're our starting three. That was the first thing before it hit the wire, before it hit the news, before everything. He called me out of nowhere, out of the blue, and tells me that. Um, first day of training camp, I'm on the fourth string. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Does, don't play with the starters all at training camp. Don't get a chance to play with the starters. Don't, doesn't say anything to me. Doesn't talk to me. I'm going through contract negotiations. And, you know, it was... Uh, I didn't think it was in my favor. And so, you know, I had a good relationship with the owner and um, he was in favor of me starting. And I don't think uh, I I know Jaeger wasn't. And so um, that's where all that came from. But at the time, you remember, I, I was, you know, you know, from leading us in scoring the West Conference Finals to, you know, I was playing some games, played two games, and I get DMPs for a week. And, you know, we had, we also signed Vince Carter that year and it was, it was just amazing. It was just crazy. Cause I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, you know, especially for someone that's saying like, you know, you're starting three, you're a guy and calling me and telling me that to, you know, switch up and, and change everything. It, it kind of hurt. It really hurt my, my feelings. Yeah. Every, so. he, it sounded like he had a lot of insistence like that. I mean, between with you and then, uh, Jordan Adams, the 2014 pick, and then you had Russ Smith out balling in the G League and then not getting any minutes with the main roster when at the time they were searching for that backup point guard. But, I mean, that's – wow, that's very interesting, Quincy. And, and, and we were searching – we had, the only thing that we needed was shooting, and it was it was kind of one of the things like, okay, so you, you just completely forgot, and um, it hurt. Like, and it just – I want – it was – Memphis was somewhere somewhere I wanted to be the rest of my career. I wanted to be there for a long time. And, you know, we had a good good thing going. And, you know, I took less money to stay there. And then, you know, everything switches up. So it hurts. Uh, but, you know, I wish the best for Jaeger. And, you know, uh, 
that's it. Absolutely. And uh, so before we wrap up the show, I need to introduce another guest, friend of Quincy, my girlfriend, Allie Allen. (laughs) Hey, Quincy, you know, I love you. Um, I just, I feel so cool being friends with you because you're like, honestly, the best guy, one of the best guys I know. Um, you never fail to answer my calls or texts immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I love uh, spending time around you and don't be afraid to come to Memphis. You have a place to stay. You have a lot of people who love you and miss you. And also, I just wanted to thank you for giving us your time today to speak with us. Oh, thank you so much. You know your family and me forever. Um, Love you guys. Um, If you ever need anything, I'm always around. So, uh, G&G forever. I love Memphis, and thank you guys for having me. (laughs) G&G. Absolutely. And so before we wrap up, we always have everyone drop their social media handles. So, Quincy, are you super active on any social media platform like Twitter, Instagram, or anything? Yeah, you know, it's 2020. I think just about everybody is. Everyone checks it, even though you don't post everything every day. You check it all the time. But um, it's at Quincy Pondexter. Um, on Twitter and Instagram. So go ahead and, and follow and, and click on everything and like everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Brandon, what about yourself? Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BC Abraham. And uh, of course, always follow the blog at SBN Grizzlies. Um, don't remember the core four podcast Twitter handle off the top of my head. So I'll let you get that one, Parker. For sure. Allie, what about you? All right, so my Instagram is Allie underscore Allen, and then my Twitter handle is Allie with three L's, no underscore, no space, Allen. Yes, so be sure, follow everybody that just dropped their social media handles, and you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four, and be sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, each episode on the GBB Podcast Network, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, that's it. 